0: Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel.
1: Welcome everyone to Discipleship Conversations. I'm Jeremy Hoover here with Stephen Carazel. Today we have an exciting conversation with Steve Schaefer. Steve is involved with Mission Alive and helps to direct the catalyzed Coach training that Mission Alive offers. And Steve is also a minister in Tupelo, Mississippi. Steven, as always, it's a great conversation every time you and I get to talk with Steve. One of the things that most stuck out to me from that conversation is, is, uh, is and the reason it sticks out to me, it was one of the, my biggest takeaways when I took the training with him, but he touches on it in this episode. And that's the idea that, that coaches aren't focused on solving people's problems for them, but helping to create a framework within which the person being coached is able to think through their problems clearly and thoroughly, and then able to take responsibility for finding their own solutions. And that when they do that, they're able to find growth in doing that. Uh, what did you take away from the conversation?
2: So uh, uh, connected to that, and it's something that again, like you just said, I took away from the training and still thinking about it as I go through coaching. And that is the self-emptying posture of a coach uh, to remove uh, my desire for a preferred income, the way uh, preferred income, preferred outcome of this person's life, how I want them to live, the things I want them to do, is to take that away, to set those aside uh and and let the spirit take control of the the conversation that means i need to uh, set my preferences aside so he uses the term kenosis or kenotic and that comes from the the greek of of this idea of self-emptying i'm going to be indifferent to this person's uh, choices uh, but i'm going to focus on the structure of the conversation but that means taking my opinion out. And that's that's hard for me to do. And I think a lot of people uh, find the same thing. It's hard for me to withhold my advice, my preference for what they should do. So let's uh, get to the conversation and, and hear Steve talk for himself. Hello, everyone. We're here with another episode of Discipleship Conversations. And today, Jeremy and I are talking with Steve Schaefer of Mission Alive and uh, also of the catalyzed Coach training uh, that Mission Alive does. Uh, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you are, uh, and uh, what coaching, what got you into coaching since that's our topic for today.
3: Yeah, well, I, I uh, wear many hats. Uh, I'm a full-time minister in Tupelo, Mississippi. I work for Mission Alive as the Director of Coaching and Discipleship, and um, what, what got me into coaching, honestly, was probably 15 years ago, I began looking for a way to improve my ability to have conversations with people that didn't come across as me trying to change their mind uh came across more authentically to be able to relate to folks uh in a way that honored them and um you know they didn't feel like they were getting a sales pitch of some kind or um had to refute some advice i gave them or that kind of thing
2: what, was that something you encountered just in your in the course of your work as a minister or in other ways?
3: Yeah, it was really a beginning in my ministry on reflecting on how to engage people uh, in our culture in a way that um, could break the paradigm of their resistance to organized religion uh and i I understood sort of the cultural rejection uh of organized religion and i think it was valid uh that rejection and so i realized that i had been sort of brought up in a in a mode of um you know evangelism or uh engaging in conversations which I, i detested in myself uh, and I needed to find a way to engage people from a different framework.
2: So that sounds like you're you're mainly thinking about people that uh, don't have a relationship with the church or even with uh, with with Christ. You're not necessarily talking about conversations within and with church people.
3: Yeah, and that's where it got started. Uh, and that's, you know, led me on a search and I, I discovered coaching, uh, and, and got my training from, uh, you know, got my training and then it's, it's kind of blossomed
2: from there. Uh, how did you, how did you come across it? What did, was there somebody in your life or just the right website popped up or how did it, that happen?
3: It, yeah. It, uh, honestly it happened because. Yeah, uh, it was a website. I I went searching for what could there be out there, uh, and became intrigued by uh, by the website and the organization uh, doing the coach
2: training. So, you you went from looking for something like that all the way to, I mean, leading something like that. Uh, how did you find that? Immediately helpful, or may I maybe immediately is the right not the right word. What was the process then of finding that helpful to what you were looking for?
3: Yeah, so in that initial coach training, it was really a series of, of four courses that I went through. Uh, but it, it immediately sort of made sense for my the way I approach things because. Uh, So I found it fairly intuitive, although the skills took a while to, you know, acclimate to in terms of not asking leading questions and not uh, trying to get people into a corner uh, somehow. And so um, my baseline stance, both as a parent and. Uh, the way I engaged in uh, pastoral counseling was always looking to leave people in the position of being responsible for themselves. Uh, And, you you know, I wanted that as a parent because I thought that led to that fostered responsibility and growth uh, for my kids. Uh, And I wanted that in pastoral settings because I wanted, um, well, yeah, I wasn't engaging in counseling. Uh, I was in and I wanted I thought that the growth aspect was important uh, in that setting as well. And so I wanted people to uh, retain responsibility for their choices and actions and, you know, uh, just let those play out. Walk with them uh, through all of those things.
2: You dropped in counseling there uh so maybe it's a good time to really ask how is coaching different from counseling or maybe some other kinds of conversations yeah
3: and that's an important conversation to have I mean I am a trained counselor uh and so uh I can wear that hat and I know how to ask questions to to diagnose and to classify and to then sort of attempt to lead people to uh, awareness or go back in time and scratch through their their history to discover some emotional event and those kind of things. I, I understand that that paradigm uh, of things and coaching is very different uh, because coaching doesn't put me in the position of being the expert in their issue. What it puts me in the position of is being the expert in how to have uh, powerful, authentic conversations. And so m- my job is very different in a coaching conversation than it is in a counseling conversations, although they're both helping sort of professions. They're both uh, uh, helping conversations.
1: Uh, Steve, I want to go back to the comments you made about helping people be responsible for themselves. That was one of the things that I I picked up pretty quickly when I went through the coach training with you, that that was a focus. But can you maybe spell out or try to give a couple of examples for the listeners here about what that what that looks like or what that means?
3: Yeah, so a, a typical... um kind of conversation if you're a you know a a leader in a congregation if somebody comes to you with a situation that they're dealing with whether you're formally in leadership or they just find you to be a you know a a trustworthy friend they'll present you know a, a problem something they're having difficulty with and almost immediately uh because of the role that is being assumed you feel some burden for trying to figure out some some solution come up with some unique ideas to create some advice because there's one you want to be helpful and, 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 you know we all want to be helpful uh, to others especially those of us in ministry kind of roles and we have uh, unfortunately equated helping others with us solving their problems or us having advice uh, to give them that will unlock the thing that they've been struggling with for a long time and, and I came to believe that that was fairly and uh that was a fairly arrogant posture to adopt uh to have this notion that this person who's been struggling with something for some time, you know, whether it's been weeks, months, or years, uh, they've been applying all of their own ideas to try to figure out a path forward. And they've come to you saying, you know, I'm having difficulty having a path forward and I'm supposed to come up with a solution in this 10 minutes to something that they've been struggling with for a year? As if, and I don't even know, you know, a 10th of the details that they're trying to balance and navigate in terms of the context and the complexities of relationships and situations and those kind of things. And yet I, I think I'm going to come up with advice uh, that they haven't been able to think of. Um, and that just struck me as, all right, this is really about me, isn't it? it it's about me wanting to feel helpful by coming up with unique advice and, uh, something in the moment, but it shouldn't be about me. It it should be about them.
1: Yeah. You know, that's really good. Maybe we can talk about the process of, of coaching. Uh, when I went through the training, I came into it thinking that I was, I was, I was going to receive tools that would help me bring my supposed expertise into to help solve people's problems. I pretty quickly realized as you were teaching us that that, that wasn't going to be the case. Uh, When, when you're coaching somebody, what is it that you're trying to do? How, how is it that you're helping them learn to be responsible for themselves?
3: Yeah, I guess the way I envision the conversation is that my job is Uh, to assist this person on the topic that they want to pursue to make sure that that topic is clearly defined, well explored, that there are uh, options. We've looked at it from every angle uh, and that they are they will land in a place where there is a clear next step. Uh, that they've chosen so that this is envisioned as as an ongoing process. So I don't really care what path they take. And and I don't really care what options they put on the table, how they choose to prioritize those things, whether I agree with them or don't agree with them. That's not important. What is important is that they've defined it, they know the direction, You know what the goal looks like, How what they're actually trying to pursue. They've thought about what options there are, what factors are important, what beliefs, values, and motives might be connected, that this is a robust pursuit. And then that they have defined a next step uh, because it's great to think about things, but if there's not a next step, then it's unlikely that something is is going to happen. And what I lean into is the belief that if we've thought about it, if the discussion has been robust, if it's clear where we're going, and if there's a next step, however that next step turns out, they are capable of taking a next step after that so that, In that process, that's what growth looks like. It looks like being intentional about what you're doing, taking steps forward, thinking about what actually happened and making the next step be informed from what you did in the past. And it's that being informed from what you did in the past that becomes the process of growth.
1: Yeah, I think paying attention to that idea of growth is is key. I think when somebody sits in, in an office with a, a minister and, and says, uh, I've had this problem at home or I have this problem at work, what do you think I should do? If you tell them what you think they should do, they may or may not do it because it's your idea and they're not necessarily committed to that course of action. And uh, it doesn't mean that any growth is going to come. Whereas in the coaching process, it, it, as you talked there, it, it it sounded as though you're saying that, that coaching helps a person clarify their own thinking and their own objectives for the problems that they're trying to work through. And because of that, is it fair to say that that often results in them taking more ownership their solutions.
3: Absolutely, uh, they they own they own the problem and they own the solution. Um, I mean, it can't really be any other way. I don't think. Like you said, if you know, if I gave them advice, and let's assume that that advice worked. Well, what have I trained them to do? I've trained them to come back to me the next time they have a problem, and I'll give them good advice. But if that advice didn't work, then they're going to say something like well it wasn't my idea anyway or i never thought that was going to work but i figured i'd give it a try because you know steve suggested it but they've got nothing invested uh in it and so they're very unlikely to come out you know more informed uh better prepared to address either the same topic or a similar topic in the future and what Often, I think, is the hindrance with people seeking help from others is sometimes they just lack a little bit of confidence that their ideas are worth trying. And and so somehow to reduce the risk that's involved in taking action on your own ideas, it's more comfortable to you know, get some support in that activity. And so Mm -hmm. coaching, one of the things that coaching accomplishes then is people gaining confidence that, well, this was my idea and this was my strategy and, you know, it it worked pretty well and I'll tune that up and move forward, but they gain confidence in their own ability to think through situations, come up with, with paths forward Take action and actually accomplish what they want to accomplish.
1: So you shared that initially you were you found coaching because you were looking for something that might help you in conversations with people that weren't necessarily attached to a church. Uh, sure. As you as you've gone deeper into coaching and learned more and and continued to study it, how has how has coaching helped you? in your work with a congregation?
3: Well, I think um, whether I like it or not, I'm so deeply invested in, in a coaching paradigm that it shapes all the uh, interactions that I have uh, in the congregation. Uh, it, it informs how I engage in pastoral conversations. I don't call them pastoral counseling, I just call them pastoral conversations. Uh, you know, my first hat is going to be a coaching hat. Uh, and my my goal is to through that uh, empower and build people up to a place that they feel, uh, you know, confident and secure and they don't need to come back to me. But if they do, that's fine. I'll just leave them through another coaching Conversation. When I work with uh, ministry team leaders or I'm trying to develop leaders in the congregation, uh, I try to adopt that coaching stance from the standpoint of structuring a process within a congregation where there may be requirements that there are goals, there are plans, there are things that are thought through but I don't dictate what those goals, those plans, or the process of thinking through them looks like. So like coaching, we might require there is a goal and we have thought it through and there will be next step actions. I think of my role in the congregation as structuring the work rather than sort of leading and uh, guiding each and every uh, detailed element of that work.
1: That's great. How does coaching help you? So I, I guess I, if you're having a pastoral conversation, so maybe it's a one-on-one situation, but then there, there will also be times where maybe you're in an elders meeting or you're in a meeting with uh, a group of leaders or uh, some kind of cross-section of the congregation, and it's not going to be, Uh, devoted to you coaching them, but how does your coaching background help you in those meetings to, to help them sort out what they're, what they're looking to do?
3: Yeah. So I guess two things come to mind. One is it it really kind of depends on what's my role in, in that group gathering Uh, you know, whether I'm in a role of responsibility and leadership or whether I'm just, you know, in the group, um, if I'm just in the group, if I'm not trying to sort of uh, fulfill a function of leadership there, coaching trains you to ask good questions, and so you can ask powerful questions that are open. Uh, you can and and help navigate and structure the conversation without, you know, people having to posture or to create sides or to convince you of, you know, this position or that position. It it works really well uh, to try to deescalate uh, the typical kind of interactions that can come up in a group where people are competing in the, in the realm of ideas. You know, there's a, there's a shared problem, there's a shared pursuit that they're after and, and people are throwing out ideas and, you know, and and what do we do? We go around and we try to convince people that this idea is going to be the solution. And, and the entire conversation is about what I call politicking. You know, we we've got an idea, we're going to promote it. I'm going to reinforce it i you know, I may, if, if things get really heated, I may start undermining what somebody else uh, said and none of it is neutral and none of it is really helpful for, for solving the situation.
2: So uh, you threw in the word neutral there right at the end and the whole time I'm thinking uh, that it sounds like there's, there's a, I guess a an action, or I don't know if the action is the right word, but this I, I need to have some discipline within myself to. If I'm going to take this coaching posture, I have to discipline myself to withhold or hold back what I think should be done, and stay, as you said, stay neutral in this to guide the structure. And I would say. That a lot of people might find that really difficult to, to rein in their own desire, their own preferred outcome, uh, in order to stand in that place of walking uh the struct walking the conversation through a structure. How have you learned to uh maintain that neutral position, to hold back a desire for uh your desire for a preferred outcome or, or whatever it might be, even when you're You know, it might be easier for someone who's out here, but harder for things that you're right in the middle of that really affect you. How have you kind of held yourself back that way?
3: Yeah. So, the Catalyzed Coaching book, the subtitle is "Kinotic Conversations for Growth and Change. And in that, that idea of kenosis, self emptying, is the theological paradigm that we wanted to put forward because there is the impulse and the desire in lots of conversations uh, of various kinds where somehow or another, I wanna benefit from this conversation. I wanna have the advice, I wanna have the idea, I want my proposal to be the thing that succeeds uh, in this session, whatever it is. I do have to let go of my desire to benefit uh, in some way from what's going on here, and think more about the the overall objective. Uh, that process of being able to come to that place is a journey, for you know. Then, and, and that's basically the journey of anybody going through coach training. I mean, I haven't had a coach in training yet. That hasn't begun with the idea of this is gonna train me to be able to give people better solutions. They, you know, within the first couple of hours of coach training, they realize, oh, that's not really what this is about. And then it's the next 20 weeks of trying to learn to have conversations that, you know, I set myself aside. Uh, and I adopt that neutral stance of things. Um, It goes really well, it blends and overlaps really well with the paradigm of discernment in decision-making. The the notion of being um, neutral, the notion uh, of being indifferent in a in a discernment posture is very similar to the canonic posture in coaching. It, it's being able to explore and examine the situation without my opinion overarching uh, everything that's said or you know the the posturing that results. And and that's why you know provocatively sometimes I say a dose of apathy. Is really helpful uh, when you're coaching and things. I've got to step away uh, from being too invested in a particular idea or approach, especially when it's connected to me.
2: Yeah, i I think that uh, stepping into a coaching journey uh, is is a I I think people what people forget, and I don't. I think I looked at it as skills to obtain. And only later coming to the understanding that uh, while there are skills to obtain, there's a self to hold back Ooh. in, in that conversation that those skills come forward only when I'm able to, uh, to hold myself back and use uh, this self emptying and, and, and mentioning as, as part of the, the theological construct for uh, the whole thing that, that what we're bringing there is a, is something that Jesus himself did as a way of, of, uh, you know, becoming human, emptying himself. And so we empty ourselves and, and make way for God to work rather than my will to work. And that, that is a, that's a discipline that goes in with these skills that I learn. And, and that's a, uh, that is, let's just say that's hard to do. And, and, only grows with practice and, and not something that you just, Oh, Oh yeah, I get it now. I'll do that uh, kind of thing. How long do you think it took for you for that to be a natural stance? Um,
3: I mean, I think it, it, it's a constant growing journey, but I think, you know in my coach training it was probably 6 months to a year of coaching and practice coaching before that became a more natural thing and it has continued to evolve uh, over over time uh it it's something that you have to just like you say you have to practice it because it all makes sense right read the book go through the training the ideas they're all very easy to uh, assimilate and fits together, makes sense. Now I'm in a conversation and and here I am struggling. Okay, what, what am I supposed to ask? What questions do I ask? How do I phrase those questions? And you realize how much of your instincts have been shaped by years and years and years of problem solving, advice giving, engagements that go along that trail. Uh, And so you don't realize how much of that is already baked in and you gotta, you gotta unravel that and then learn a new way of of thinking.
2: I I would think that uh, we talk a lot about, I mean, a lot of different environments talking about the, the, the needed skill and gift of listening to others uh, that, approaching coaching or going through coach training, uh, that's a, a way of, of achieving that as well, because you're, you're growing as a listener, uh, in that conversation rather than always asserting yourself. Um, we've talked a little bit about just differentiating coaching and counseling. What other kinds of things do people maybe confuse coaching with and that one stands up or not necessarily confuse it with, but how is it differentiated for something like mentoring? And there might be some other things that you differentiate it from.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, right off the bat, I would say that the term coaching is, uh, is descriptive of what's going on, but it's also unfortunate uh, because the first paradigm that people think about are sports coaches and sports coaches are often depicted as, far from unopinionated. Uh, They are directive and opinionated and that's what people are looking for. Uh, Tell me what to do and I'll go do it uh, because you're the expert. Uh, And that's a little bit of the mentor posture as well. Uh, Mentors are people that we see as being successful in an area that we're struggling with. And so we may seek their uh, relationship with a mentor because we want to become more like them. We want to gain the knowledge and experience that they have, so that we can be in a position of of doing the same thing. So, mentors tend to be in the posture of an expert, and so uh, they know the the domain that they, you know, that this problem exists in. And so they're going to to give advice. Uh, They're going to to teach you how to solve a domain-specific concern. Uh, And coaches don't have to be domain experts. Our domain of expertise in coaching is in growth, change, and well-structured conversations that's our domain of expertise. I can apply that to business. I can apply that to leadership. I can apply that to families. I can apply that to congregations. I can apply it to a whole host of domain areas because I don't have to be the expert in that. You're the expert in that. Uh, My job is to structure your thinking and your process for you to apply your own expertise to the situation that you're in.
2: That's really good. So while, uh, we find mentors helpful from time to time, I don't always have to find uh, an expert in an area I'm interested in to be helped through a process of, of exploring something. Uh, and that's I hear What you're saying is that a coach is someone who can step into that and, uh, and it kind of without knowing my area of interest or without having expertise in my area of interest can walk me through that structure that helps me explore that. Exactly.
3: I mean, it's not that some domain knowledge isn't, I mean, domain knowledge can be helpful for the coach as well, because there's a vocabulary there. Every domain has got its sort of language and, inherent structures and, and those sorts of things. And some of that can be helpful. What's not helpful is if me, if I, as the coach, am an expert in a domain, that just becomes a source of temptation for me because I listen to your problem. And I think, well, you know, here are three things that I did that were successful and I'm just going to be tempted to somehow or another sneak those into the conversation.
2: Yeah. So uh, I want to kind of get to the Mission Alive uh, Catalyze Coach Training. Uh, It's been such an influential part of who you are, and I've heard this kind of enter in a lot of different ways. uh, of way of training people for different things is a coaching Role a coaching posture as a way of facilitating growth uh, in various areas, Uh, and for Mission Alive, as a church planting organization, is using coaching. And I think that's the first thing I I encountered from uh, you and Todd was a presentation of how coaching is helpful overall. But it's something you explored as as a uh, as a church planting organization, and so much so that you have created your own. Uh, training program. Tell us about the Catalyzed Coach Training uh, program and what what uh what somebody can expect.
3: So catalyzed coach training grew out of our experience uh training people in coaching when we wanted to anchor coaching in a a solid foundation of theologies. And so the canonic conversations for growth and change, one of those theologies is the self-emptying posture. Uh, But the other is that we believe that growth naturally takes place in the construct of relationship. So uh, the, the body concept, we exist as a body And that having a coach and engaging somebody in a relationship for the purpose of growth is a natural posture to take theologically. We also take a fairly positive view of humanity. Uh, We we believe in the capability uh, of people, not the inherent incapability uh, of people. And so we, we view the human situation from the standpoint of we're made human and God intended us to be human. And that informs some of the things we want to do in coaching, meaning being human is a good thing. But it does come with certain vulnerabilities and we're all familiar with the vulnerabilities. It's just after New Year's. We all know the joke. You make a New Year's resolution, it lasts for a month, and it, and then it goes away. Why? Because one of our human vulnerabilities is we are going to seek comfort and the easy path given a choice. And that's what informs Catalyze Coach Training to emphasize looking for specifics and details What we say in the training is any decision that's left unmade or unexplored will decrease the probability that something happens. So if I say something like, well, I want to start a new habit, you know, I want to start a new devotional habit and reading my Bible, having a prayer time, et cetera, and we leave it there. It's very unlikely that tomorrow morning or whenever you imagined doing this, that you're actually gonna start something new. You're gonna have to make a decision of when, you're gonna have to make a decision of where, what are you gonna do in that 30 minutes? What are you gonna do when you wake up late uh, in that time? How is your schedule vary through the week and how are you going to accommodate? Those are all a lot of decisions. And to the extent that we don't make them, Our comfort seeking, least, you know, path of least resistant nature is going to kick in and change and growth won't happen. So, those are the theologies that underpin it. So, when we enter a relationship from a canonic posture, I realize that my role isn't to solve the problem. The skills I need our skills to listen at multiple levels, both to the content, but also to the balcony kind of stance of what's going on in this conversation. I need the skills of being able to ask powerful, open, neutral questions that shape the direction of the conversation. And I need to know what it looks like in terms of, you know, what is a robust goal What does it look like when something is well explored? What are some ways that we can explore topics without leading people in in that exploration? And healthy accountability is what is actually happening in a coaching relationship because healthy accountability is accountability where the other person retains control of what happens in that accountability relationship. So simply coming back, session after session, engaging in a conversation you know is for you, is in your camp, who is only partnering with you for you to achieve your own goals via your own strategies in ways that honor your own beliefs, values, and motives. It's all in your court. I'm not telling you what to do. Uh, things happen. Growth happens. Progress happens. Goals are attained. Change happens. And it happens without me having to tell you. So Catalyze Coach Training, we wanted to design it from anchored in that theology with a consistent framework of what conversations look like so that it was applicable to uh, leadership, leadership in, in business, leadership in congregations. It was applicable to uh, missional engagement, where we are trying to transform the world or engage in faith-sharing kind of relationships, or in leading new innovative faith communities and planting churches and dealing with volunteers and Uh, engaging in the public or in a community transformation project of some kind. All of those postures are places where coaching skills uh, can pervade. So when a person
1: signs up for Catalyze Coach training, Steve, what can they expect in terms of the logistics and practicalities of the training? And then uh, a secondary kind of loaded question, Who who would be a good candidate to sign up for the training?
3: So Catalyze Coach Training, we offer two levels of training. Uh, Let me talk about the certification track. The certification track is what prepares you to be a coach. And so that training looks like there's, you know, there's going to be books and things that you read. We have a, a two and a half day lab where we, we talk about the, the foundations, the skills, the ideas associated with coaching, but also begin to think about what do those skills look like in actual practice? How do I actually structure a conversation? How do I ask questions? How do I learn to listen differently? And then you're going to be practicing coaching. You'll have a peer partner. You will coach. You'll take turns coaching back and forth with your peer partner, your coach mentor, usually me, is going to give you feedback and help you think about, think like a coach, think about some options you had in that conversation. And then later on in the training, you're going to actually recruit and coach two coachees for seven sessions each. And then we'll have some supervision conversations where we'll talk about, you know, how did that go? What what were you thinking? You know, what is the structure of those conversations? And again, we help you think like a coach, think about options you have at various points in conversations, and to visualize where those conversations could be going.
1: Yeah. So, who would the training be helpful for?
3: Well, uh, we believe the training is helpful for. a variety of folks. Uh, anybody in leadership. Anybody who is interested in engaging in uh, helping conversations. Uh, whether you know those are envisioned as pastoral conversations or just uh, some way of being a, a helping profession. If you're leading organizations. If you're involved in uh, public facing ways where you want to engage uh, the unchurched, the dechurched, the folks in culture who have resisted and walked away from organized religion. Uh, they are biased against you telling them. And so you can take the posture of just walking with them uh, and, and being an authentic friend, it, it really helps shape the way you imagine who you are in almost every conversation and relationship. And so, uh, regardless, uh, I, I think it is a, a transformational way to think about what you do as a disciple of Christ in a variety of situations.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's really good.
3: If a person
1: wanted to sign up for Catalyze coach training or get in touch with you to inquire more about the program, what would be the ways they could do that?
3: Well, you can get more information at the Mission Alive website. Uh, there'll be a Catalyze coaching uh, link there to find out about the, the programs, the offerings, and the schedules. You can reach out to me at steve at missionalive.org. And I'll be happy to uh, have a conversation with you about coaching.
1: Okay. We've been visiting today with Steve Schaefer, uh, Director of Catalyze Coach Training and uh, representing Mission Alive. Steve, it's been great talking with you today. Thank you so much for being with us.
3: Well, thanks. I've enjoyed it.
0: For listening to this discipleship conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionaliveorg media intro and outro music is by AudioNautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.